I have met some of the most amazing people. I was even a best man to a guy's wedding. So you form some incredible friendships. That's Ron Fluitt from the UK speaking about his experience with support groups. Welcome to Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis, a podcast by Burringer Ingelheim. I'm Louis, and I'll be joining some extraordinary people affected by this rare condition as they take us along the unique path to diagnosis and beyond. When living with a rare and life-threatening condition, you need the support of your loved ones. But you will also benefit from the wisdom and shared experiences of those who are on a similar path. People most commonly get involved in support groups following diagnosis, which was the case for Edith Brown from the UK. She lives with scleroderma, a connective tissue disease that may also lead to the development of pulmonary fibrosis. I think my doctor first suggested that I come to the patient's information day at the hospital which I did, and that was very useful. And there were lots of information leaflets and posters about the UK Scleroderma Association. I started getting information about booklets and leaflets from them and um, really valuing the the support that they they give because they have a very, very useful website. Experts in the field are strong advocates of support groups. Let's hear from pulmonologist Letitia Kawano-Dorado why personal connections are so important. I strongly recommend that patients get in touch with support groups if these groups are available. And there are several reasons for that. A support group may be a source of shared knowledge between patients, but it may also bring back that sense of belonging and connection, which is so fundamental for our species. We are wired for connection. Rheumatologist Anna Maria Hoffman Vold agrees on the positive effects. I always highly recommend my patients to get in touch with a support group. I very frequently see an effect of patients joining support groups. Many of my patients report that as they have a rare disease, which no one else has heard of, they feel very comfortable and mentally um, secured about their disease. And this is also based on that it is an important source of information. So I always inform my patients to not go on internet and search for unspecific information. This is often not secured information. I recommend that patients get their information from their physician, from patient courses, from patient support groups, um, from other secured channels. And yet there is another benefit to these groups. I know that in many countries now, there are very active support groups. Support groups are often a bridge between physicians and patients, but also between um, research and patients. Very often we researchers contact patient support groups and um, inform them about studies going on or even questionnaires going on, service going on. So once a patient is a member of a support group, they will get this piece of information. Edith can relate to this very well. We became very energised about taking part in research and contributing to research in any way you could. Um, And also fundraising, because obviously research costs money, fundraising to to actually support research going on. Being involved in research, I find, is a very, very positive contribution. It might not help me, um, but it um, it might make a contribution. 
let's go back to Ron. He lives with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, a progressive form of pulmonary fibrosis with a yet unknown cause. He explains how joining a support group allows you to share knowledge with those on a similar path. Support groups along your journey are the most important. I do belong to three support groups. What I like about support groups is you can talk to like-minded people, people who understand your disease, people who know what it's like to feel the breathlessness. Joining a support group helps me understand and accept my condition. And what I've done as a person, I now join other support groups to offer my experience of my journey and pass on the information that I've learned. I can't give medical advice, obviously, but what I can do is give my advice of going on oxygen. People are so confused about oxygen that, you know, when they hear me and what I do and I can pass on my little snippets and my little tips, I feel quite empowered that I'm helping other people. But it wasn't easy for Ron at the beginning. I remember the first time I went to support group and the horror on my face must have looked terrible because my LD, I always remember my ILD nurse coming up to me and saying, Ron, this may be a bit early for you. These people are really ill. If you want to come back when you've progressed, then come back, it will still be here. But my thoughts were, actually, I can help these people now. I want to do something now. And I ended up being chairman of that support group some six months later. It is scary because it is scary watching someone walk from a car park being so out of breath and you look at them thinking, is that going to be me? You know, and uh, I suppose I'm coming to that point now, you know, so I'm finding there's people there that are supporting me. Edith knows exactly what Ron is referring to. When I first started going to um, Patients' Information Days, I found that quite difficult because I was seeing people who were on oxygen and people in wheelchairs and people who, whose facial uh, changes were, were quite dramatic and people who were, had to have somebody with them, had to almost have a carer with them. And uh, that shocked me. And I thought, that's not going to be me. And for Melissa from Canada, there were several other challenges. I will also say that there's been times where I've found support groups really challenging because you're, you know, you're getting that support, but you're also supporting other people and supporting other people who are going through really, really hard things is, can be really challenging. And, you know, you have people that you've been talking to for a long time, you know, years, and then, and, and they die. People with pulmonary fibrosis do die. So that I have found at different points challenging. But despite this, Melissa is a strong believer in joining a support group. I would absolutely recommend joining a support group. There's lots of benefits to talking to other people who are going through the same thing as you. For me at this point, you know, I've had many years of dealing with pulmonary fibrosis and I've gained a lot of knowledge through those years. And so I find a lot of satisfaction now um, sharing that knowledge with other people, helping other people kind of on their journey. So for me, it sort of gives purpose and meaning to this kind of senseless diagnosis. It's not always just doom and gloom and focusing on the hard times. It's sort of maintaining that hope for other people and 
joking around. And so I think there's lots of different things that support groups can do. Liam Galvin, a patient advocate and former carer from Ireland, gives his perspective. There's different stages of any disease. You might think, I don't want to join a support group. It's full of sick people. But you, you have that disease. So it is scary. There will be people there with oxygen. There may be people there who are very breathless, who, who might be coughing all the time. But there'd be people there just like you. And those people with oxygen, with cough, with breathlessness, they've lived to that point. They will have a, a font of wisdom to tell you about how they dealt with it. Or maybe you're, you're, they will say to you, don't make the same mistake as me. I, I think it's really important that you can share experiences with other patients, with other loved ones. You can learn practical tips. You can learn coping mechanisms. You, you, it, it sort of informs you before you reach the stage that they are at what might be ahead for you, and that will help you deal with it. And, as Melissa explains, support groups are an essential place to discuss sensitive topics that you may not feel comfortable speaking about with your loved ones. There's things that you could talk about in a support group that you just don't necessarily want to talk about with your family. Um, you kind of want to shelter your family at times. They've, they're going through a lot. Pulmonary fibrosis, like any chronic disease, it affects the entire family. We want to shelter them a little bit from some of the realities, you know, the thoughts of, of maybe needing a lung transplant or, you know, having a shorter life. Edith can relate to this. I think when you're talking to people with scleroderma, when you meet them either at the patient's information days or conference or any aspect of the support group, you can be far more honest. I would never discuss anything like that with my friends or my wider family because I want to be seen as me. You know, I'm, I am more than scleroderma. I'm not just my disease. But when you're in a, a group of scleroderma patients, it's so much easier to talk about it. And you share good, good, good ideas as well. While some don't like to share details of their condition with friends and family, that's not the case for Ron and his wife, Maxine. I do know lots of couples that will not talk to each other about the diagnosis and the journey. I'm very lucky because I share everything with my wife and that to me is the most important part of my journey because if I don't tell my wife, who do I share it with? I've got to share it with the person most closest to me. And we mustn't forget that carers also need support too. In some cases, support groups have started to create spaces uniquely for carers. Us as a support group noticed that, so we set up a patient group and we'll set up a carers group. So when the patients meet, they can they can say what they want to say in a very safe room. And the patients can sort of meet and they meet once monthly and they can tear their hands out saying, Ron's done this, Ron's done that, and he's, you know, he's he's lost his temper or he's done this, he's done that. But it stays with them. So I never asked Maxine what other patients said and she never asked me what other people say to me. Ron's wife Maxine explains further. If I'm being honest, Carers, loved ones, don't like speaking about the patients in front of other people because if they're having a bad day and their loved one's being particularly difficult or 
angry or whatever, it's very difficult to admit that person that somebody else might know is feeling like that. So you have to create a very safe and secure environment for a loved one carer to talk out. And that is the crucial message I would give to any people who are looking to do it with carers. And having an open exchange about your feelings is key. I think the things you can discuss in a group with a, a group of carers, loved ones, is you can be honest about how they make you feel, how frustrating it can be, what you're scared of, what the future looks like, how you're dealing with side effects of whatever's happening, um, where the end goes, how that makes you feel, what do you do, what am I going to do, where do I go with that, what support can I get, is it all right to go out and have a break, should I feel bad about doing this? You can just ask the questions that you wouldn't ask them. You, you can't always tell them how scared you are, how uptight you are. They're scared. They don't need your woes on top of theirs. So sometimes you just need to channel it, but you don't want to put that on the patient. Maxine and Ron both emphasise the opportunity to create strong personal bonds with others in support groups. It is one of the most important things to do is to speak to people because they understand it, they are going through it, and they can make such a world of difference if you talk to them. They can lift you, they can be there for you, they can hold your hand, they can walk you through it. I have met some of the most amazing people that I would never have met if I wasn't diagnosed with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, and that's what keeps me going back. When I told people I'm there going on the lung transplant list, the support they're giving me is second to none. Liam further highlights that joining a support group means more than just physical meetings. By joining, you don't only have to maybe drive or walk to the support group every four weeks or every six weeks. You can get on the phone. You meet friends. People are available. They exchange numbers. You've got someone to turn to when you're feeling low. And specifically, in rare diseases like pulmonary fibrosis, there is the aspect of finding each other, finding information and joining a like-minded community. I think it, with rare disease, it, it's sometimes quite easy to set up a support group because people are looking for information. They might not be able to get trusted information from their doctor who might not know about it. Strangely enough, in rare disease, support groups are more common than uh, support groups for well-known diseases. So it's unlikely that you'll find an asthma support group because so many people have asthma. The information is out there. There's large organisations dealing with your queries. Where with rare disease, you're limited. You're, you really have to rely on other patients, other um, carers to have that experience of what you're going through. Maxine, Liam, Melissa and Ron all agree that building relationships and bonding over shared experiences are the most important aspects to joining support groups. It's about building relationships and getting friendships out of it. Great friends are made at support groups, but you're all in the same boat and you can learn from each other and you can help them.
So it's almost a gift when people are, um, when they're needing that support that I can actually give that support. Anyone that's been diagnosed, my, my first message to them would be join a support group. Talk to like-minded people because they understand what you're going through. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Journeys Through Pulmonary Fibrosis podcast. Our next episode will focus on how to deal with the unpredictable nature of the condition. If you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. There, you will also find previous episodes you might have missed. If you have any questions, please reach out to hello at boeringer-ingelheim.com.